Hey there, welcome back to the podcast. This is Jonathan Edwards, pureandsimplebible.com, and I'm so glad to have you with us again. Jamie Thompson and I are in the middle of a very long discussion. It was a marathon recording session, two and a half hours, about reclaiming your role. We've talked about parent-child recently. Before that, we talked about husband and wife. Today, we're going to talk about bond-servant and masters, which we commonly apply to employee and boss, but I really want you to consider the scriptures, and with sensitivity, we, we talk about what contextually was going on in the book of Ephesians and in the culture of that time, and then how we can make proper application for it today. So, very important episode. Uh, please join us for it, and then come back next week for the fourth and final one. But until then, let's jump into the conversation one more time, shall we? Um, are we missing anything in the conversation about children and parents, or do we want to move on? Nope, unless you want to push back on something, I think we're... we're well, oh, I on. forgot. Shoot, I'm supposed to push back, aren't I? Um, well, I can't think of anything, so I think you've answered all my questions. I'm, I'm now ready to be baptized for remission of sins, <laughs> if I take I th- on that role. <laughs> I think we covered it just in the discussion, though. Yeah. You might not have um, really pushed back against me, but I think we, I think we covered it. Some objections. We've we've talked about this for a long time, and the the listener may not see the notes as you and I see the notes. They've heard us talk about the notes, but I just want the listener to hear that I think there's like two sentences that you have in your notes about parents (laughs) and children, and we've stretched that into a 30-minute conversation, which I love because I love talking about family. And uh, so thank you for spending the time with me on that. Now, the last one um, is bondservant master. It's from Ephesians 6, verse 5 through 9. Um, Before I read, I guess I just need you to um, help me understand, does the Bible advocate slavery in this scripture, bondservant master, or Old King James? Does it say slave and master? I'm not certain. The the word... Um, for bondservant is doulos, which literally means slave. The reason it says bondservant is to soften it a little bit. So okay. our, to I'm our not modern softened, ears, Jamie, I'm to our modern ears, <laughs> it doesn't sound as bad as slave, but that's what it means. Okay. And when we read um, the New Testament, we have to understand that the gospel writers, the New Testament writers, lived in the Roman Empire, and as much as a quarter of the population were enslaved. That's just a fact of history. And um, that doesn't mean that it's a good thing, but there were a lot of slaves and there were a lot of masters. And some of those slaves were in the church and some of those masters were in the church. And so the question is, how are they instructed to submit to one another? And that's what Paul writes here. Okay. Maybe we can um, read the passage and we can sure. um, discuss uh, the the ethics of, <laughs> of what Paul's discussing. Okay. May I read? Go, go. Ephesians 6, verse 5. Bond servants, or slaves, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in sincerity of heart as to Christ, not with thy service as men pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good anyone does, 
he'll receive the same from the Lord, whether he is a slave or free. And you, masters, do the same thing to them, giving up threatening, knowing that your own master also is in heaven, and there is no partiality with him. So, first of all, uh, in all of these roles, God hasn't called us to rebel from the role that we have been given. He's called us to submit to the role that we've been given. So if um, a slave finds himself as a slave, he's not to take up arms and free himself for social justice. He's to um, reflect the role of slave and master that we have with Jesus. Jesus bought us from sin with his blood and uh, he is our master because he owns us. That might be uncomfortable for us, but that's what the scripture reveals. Yeah. And I, I want to read a, a sister passage yeah. just to help emphasize that point with with a caveat. And I heard someone teach on this once and they made this. And I, I really like the addition because they quoted Ephesians six. but Then they quoted First Corinthians seven. And First um, Corinthians seven, verse 20 through 24. So it's a little bit lengthy, but um, there's one little caveat in here. But and I shouldn't say caveat because that makes it seem like it's different. I think it's an affirmation of everything you've said um, with this extra teaching. It says each one should remain in the condition in which he was called. Mm -hmm. Were you a bondservant when called? Do not be concerned about it. Then he says, but if you can gain your freedom, avail yourself of the opportunity. So, yeah, I think here I am on your side instead of. Uh, you know, <laughs> taking on that role I said I was going to at the beginning. But I have heard people, at, you know, use uh, scriptures out of context as a means to have ammunition against Christianity. It's a backwards faith. It's a pro-slavery faith. And really, it's just a pro whatever role you're in, serve the Lord in that role uh, faith. And in 1 Corinthians 7, hey, if you have the opportunity to get free, take it. That's great. Yeah. Um, however, it continues with the same thought from Ephesians 6, verse 22. For he who is called in the Lord as a bondservant is a freed man of the Lord. Likewise, he who is free is called to be a bondservant of Christ. You were bought with the price. Do not become bondservants of men. So, brothers, in whatever condition each was called, there let him remain with God. I think the the. The, the line that runs through all of these that we have in com that it has in common, all these relationships, it's not about us. It, it's it's not about this life. It's about Jesus. Yeah. It's about his church and it's about glorifying him, not necessarily fairness for us. Now if if everyone was a Christian and submitted to each other the way that we're instructed here, then life would be great. It's not because they aren't, but it's not about us. It's mm -hmm. about Jesus. Mm -hmm. The bondservant in Ephesians 6 has the, mo the, the most and the clearest. I'm trying to think what other superlatives I want to put in there. The best. <laughs> uh, it seems to explain the relationship with the master as with so many different descriptions of this is really to Christ. 
in ways that the other ones, they, they do, they talk about it, but the bondservant seems to get more than the rest. Why do you think that is? Maybe it's harder because the slave is um, under legal obligations. The master, if he is not a Christian, has even more power than the other relationships. And it would be um, more tempting, maybe, for the for the slave to rebel against his master mm-hmm. than for a wife to rebel against her husband, or for a child to rebel against his or her parents. And um, there's maybe it's just more difficult. And so the the, the slaves, the bond servants, need more uh, instruction, more encouragement, uh, a clearer symbol to look towards as they go about their daily life. That's a good definition. I'm curious if, does the wife and the child and the bondservant all share something in common legally during the Roman Empire during those times? That were they under the authority of their husband from a legal sense? I don't know the answer to that question. It, It may be. It may be. Okay. I know that the the slave would be considered property. Yes. yes. I don't know about children and, and wives. I know that commonly you hear it preached when it comes to like uh, Mary being the one who found Jesus or spoke with Jesus first, that the witness of a woman in that culture was less than the witness of a man. Mm-hmm. But that's talking about Jewish culture, not Roman um, but it is kind of the same area of time, and it seems like maybe there might be a connection, but maybe we're just speculating. Well, I'm, I'm not sure the, the answer to that question. It's That's a really interesting um, question, though. It's worth studying, I think. Whoever was banging on their steering yeah. wheel earlier. Right in. Yeah. What's, what's, your, what's the podcast email address? Pureandsimplebible at gmail.com? That's right. You got it. All right. Right in, and Jonathan <laughs> will um, text me about what I should have said. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, now, a, a slave was going to be obedient to the master whether or not they were a Christian or not. Yes. And by doing that, they're going to honor Christ. Um, what about a master to their slave? It doesn't appear like they're going to set them free, which in our culture, we would think that's the godly thing to do. It would just mm-hmm. be to help them escape this life and rather they're called to uh, not threaten them, do the same things to them not, and uh, knowing that they themselves have a master in heaven. So can you maybe kind of flesh out their side in this relationship? Yeah, I think the the picture that is I think being developed here is of um, Jesus the master and Christians, his slaves, who he has bought. And I don't think Jesus is primarily concerned with social justice. Jesus didn't go around Judea and Galilee freeing slaves and um, raising up women and um, kicking out the Romans. He was interested in spiritual reformation. Mm. There is unfairness in the world, but Jesus' primary uh, motivation was for s- spiritual cures. 
And as his disciples, as his pupils, we should have the same interests as as Jesus. So I think, you know, we could go talk about this passage and slaves and masters as a study of itself. And um, this, we could keep expanding on it. And maybe that's something that needs to be done at some point. But um, I think the, the the real takeaway is that this is what Jesus is said to do, that um, masters are to treat their uh, slaves fairly, just as um, Jesus treats his slaves fairly, and knowing that they are slaves of their master, Jesus, in heaven. So uh, do as uh, you would um, want done to you kind of thing. There's a great connection of this verse, or maybe an application in the book of Philemon, and how you've got a runaway slave who's yep. now coming home. And he's going to obey these. In fact, you know, Paul wrote this letter to the Ephesian church. This is one of the prison epistles. And Onesimus would have... Colossians. Well, Ephesians is one of the... Oh. And then Colossians is the other one. And then Philemon was a member of the Colossian church. I beg your pardon. But what I'm saying is he would have been around when these were written, yeah. including this command. And so I'm curious if it stung. I see what you mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that he didn't obey his earthly master. He ran mm-hmm. away. And maybe there was a legitimate reason for it. But yeah. um, that little book of Philemon, for the, the listener that wants to study further, I think is a great follow-up to this, yeah. this section. Now, you say... Let me let me try to get back in the role of uh, inquisitor, (laughs) grand inquisitor. You say these roles are ordained by God. And while society may change its expectations, we should be careful to follow the roles that God has prepared for us. Um, Well put. (laughs) Well, you said that, not me. Um, I'm curious. About how uh, maybe what your views are of postmodernism. Because what I feel like is that we we should move beyond these roles. And if you are advocating these roles, then I think you're going to get left behind because you're on the wrong side of history. Thoughts? Um, I think you make a, an objection that a lot of people have today. But I'm going to keep going back and sing, sing the same song. It's not about us. It's about Jesus. It's about Jesus and what he wants his church to do, what he wants his disciples to do, his, his peoples. And um, if we want to go to heaven, if we want to be that a part of that, that bride that Jesus looks at with self-sacrificial love and sees her without any spot or wrinkle, holy, set apart for uh, a home in heaven, then we need to submit to the roles that he has ordained. Now, as far as being on the wrong side of history, the church has always been as small as a mustard seed. It's always been a minority. God's people have never been the majority in the world. And history is written by the winners. And the church isn't going to be the winner until the end of time, come Judgment Day. We may live in a world that uh, reviles us, but Jesus said, don't be surprised. The 
disciples aren't different than the master. They hated me, they will hate you. And it won't be until judgment day that the church will be vindicated as being righteous. Even if the world looks at us and say, well, you're old fashioned and bigoted and we've moved on from your uh, uh, old fashioned morals. Mm, okay. What do you say to that inquisitor? <laughs> you got me this time. <laughs> um, how about this? So yes, on one hand, as the host of this podcast, well said, as somebody who is concerned by what you've said because it's just not jiving with their worldview, they might say something like, authority figures, power, um, you know, those who, who have the privilege and power always get what they want. And that's just the way it always has been. And what it sounds like is that you're advocating for these traditional roles of power to keep the to keep those who have had the power I'm phrasing it poorly but they get to keep the power. Yeah. Yeah. And um it it just doesn't seem like it's very fair. Yeah. So what I to to summarize what you're saying maybe in a different way is we look in the world and we see injustice and what do we do with that? Do we um, keep the status quo or do we um, have a revolution and turn things upside down so that the, um, there's fairness, so that the injustice is overcome? Yeah, the system, if we can't fix it, we should break it. Well, I would say that um, we can't look at the worst parts of history to um, decide how to live our lives and what to correct because Jesus came not as a conqueror, not as someone who um, abused power that he had. Now, Jesus is the Son of God. He is divine. He had a, a place in heaven. He lived in heaven. And we read about the angel of the Lord um, with authority in the Old Testament. But he emptied himself, becoming a bondservant, and sacrificed himself. Um, in Revelation uh, John is um, concerned. Who, who is going to overcome? Who's going to open the, the book with the seals? And um, a, the, a voice said, Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah. And John turned, and what he saw was a lamb as if it had been slain. So Jesus overcame not by dominating, but by sacrificing. Mm. And that is the picture again and again that we are called to uh, copy in the New Testament. Yeah. Husbands are to sacrifice themselves for their wives. Fathers are to uh, nurture their children. And masters are to give up threatening knowing that they have a master in heaven. So we are to emulate Jesus who died for us, gave himself for us, emptied himself, and became a bondservant for us. You've done a more than adequate job of answering questions from this worldview because really you you can't um, you can't answer it according to their worldview. All mm. you can do is present what the Christian view believes and practices, and they're going to be the one that has to say that is reasonable or I, I refuse to listen to this any longer. Sadly, a lot of people refuse to listen. But if we were to try to 
shift the Christian view to fit that cultural view, the church, when it tries to be relative, is anything but. If the church moves itself or changes itself to look like the world, it loses what it has. It loses the gospel. It loses yeah. being different. Yeah. The church is valuable because it's different from the world. And it teaches the morality of Jesus. And if the, the church starts to cheat, teach the morality of the world that is fashionable, it's no longer Jesus's church. Mm-hmm. It becomes the world's church and mm-hmm. it's empty and there's no power of salvation in it. Mm-hmm. 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 Would you take a moment to talk about submission and responsibility? Uh, you've mentioned it kind of here and there. There's a really lovely chart in your notes that I'm looking at right now. And uh, really how those everybody has something to do with authority yes it's important to make a distinction but also that whichever side you're on there's there's a role to be played and it's not about you so um everyone like you say everyone has a job to do um some are uh under authority and some have authority but with that authority comes responsibility the wives are to submit to their husbands. They're under authority. But uh, conversely, the husband have to love their wives. They have a responsibility to care for their wives more than they care for themselves. Uh, If the relationship is functioning correctly, the wife is getting what she wants more than the husband is because the husband is emptying himself and providing for her and um, doing for her just as Christ does for the church the children they're under the authority of the parents but the father has uh, while he has authority over the children he has the responsibility to not provoke his children and to to teach them about jesus and about god and slaves are to obey their masters they have um, they're under authority but masters who have authority have the responsibility to give up threatening and to act justly towards their slaves. Mm -hmm. So while some parties, uh, that is the the wives, the children, and the slaves, are under authority, they're in a vulnerable position, uh, they don't have to be a victim. They shouldn't be a victim because the party who has authority, the husbands, the fathers, the masters, have a responsibility, a command from God himself that they are to take care and protect those who are under their authority. Mm-hmm. Okay. Maybe um, a quick uh, point of application about slaves and masters. Sure. Um, fortunately, we're not in a system that has um, slaves and masters uh, generally in our society. Um that we see day to day, but in First um, Peter chapter two and three, a parallel passage that we already looked at um, in regards to wives and husbands, um, it doesn't use bond servants; it uses the term servants, which I thought is an interesting distinction, because while there were a lot of slaves, there were evidently servants as well, hired people, and while we don't, we might say we're a slave to the clock, we're uh, we. <laughs> most of us have a job where we serve our employers 
And um, a very similar relationship is described there in um, First Peter chapter 2. So for what it's worth, um, while we might not be slaves, we are servants and we are to work for our um, masters or our employers uh, as to the Lord. I've used that phrase, uh, employee boss, as the modern equivalent for in Ephesians and Colossians. Um, I think it's a good application. Um, I think I'll try better in the future, though, to make sure to emphasize the proper interpretation. But mm-hmm. this is the as high and as low as one could get, a master and a slave. Yes. Um, and instead of glossing over it and saying, oh, it's just, it's just employees and bosses, um, it can be. It's a good application from, as you're saying, that sister passage kind of has that in mind that, uh, even the highest and the low of relationships can still serve Christ together. Yes. Yeah. Now, let me take my skeptical view again. And I want to know why wives should submit. Now, we're going back to the first part of our conversation. And uh, you've kind of addressed this somewhat already. But it seems like, you know, uh, let me let me quote this at you. I remember reading this, I think, in, in some old commentary on Genesis. Maybe it was Adam Clark or Matthew Henry or one of those guys. And they said, when God made woman out of man, she didn't make him out of his head to be above him or his foot to be below him, but out of his side to be next to him. And so she is his uh, perfect counterpart or equal partner. I mean, a modern way that some people would say she's his equal partner. So this whole idea of submission doesn't seem very equal. Definitely doesn't seem like a partnership. Seems like one has it all and the other has none. So what would you say to that um, whenever all around us we should just be getting along and you know it's 50-50 split? A third and final cliffhanger for you to come back next week as Jamie and I continue to talk about reclaiming your roles. I hope that this was a helpful Bible study. It definitely is an introduction because there's so much more in the Bible about bondservants and masters from the Old to the New Testament that oftentimes gets misquoted and misunderstood by people who are trying to advocate for how the Scriptures are in fact not from God, or that uh, they're corrupted, or that uh, God is unfair. So this is a topic that goes well beyond the brief conversation that we had about it. But I do hope it serves as a good introduction, because this relationship is so important that it's one of the three mentioned in Ephesians chapter 5 and 6, and then again in Colossians chapter 3 and 4. So please take time to meditate on these things and consider the roles that God has for you. Now, until next week, go to the website, check out all the resources that are free to download and use, share them with people, and uh, let's together make use of the Pure and Simple Bible, social medias, and uh, different resources that are there for you. And you can download and use them absolutely free, by the way. I think I say that all the time, but it's still true. So, please come back next week, and always remember, God loves you very much, and I do too. Lord willing, see you soon. Ba-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-
Well, I'm here to tell you a story, a story that is true, about a judge by the name of Gideon. He was a man like me and you.